Mormonism 101, a book by Mormonism Research Ministries, Bill McKeever and Eric Johnson, has helped many who want to understand what separates Mormonism from the Christian faith. Mormonism 101 is available at your favorite Christian bookstore or online at mrm.org. Viewpoint on Mormonism, the program that examines the teachings of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints from a biblical perspective. Viewpoint on Mormonism is sponsored by Mormonism Research Ministry. Since 1979, Mormonism Research Ministry has been dedicated to equipping the body of Christ with answers regarding the Christian faith in a manner that expresses gentleness and respect. And now, your host for today's Viewpoint on Mormonism. Welcome to this edition of Viewpoint on Mormonism. I'm your host, Bill McKeever, founder and director of Mormonism Research Ministry, and with me today is Eric Johnson, my colleague at MRM. Yesterday, we began looking at a conference message that was given by a member of the Presidency of the Seventy, a man by the name of Paul V. Johnson. He gave a talk on October 1st in General Conference titled, Be Perfected in Him, subtitled, Our Perfection is Only Possible Through God's Grace. As we mentioned yesterday, based on just those statements, you might think, well, what evangelical would disagree with that? We believe that we are only perfect because of the merits of Christ, and it's only possible through God's grace. Is that really what Mormonism teaches, or are they just using words, defining them differently, or not giving him really any definition at all that we can take away and completely understand? The reason I say that is because Sometimes when you listen to LDS leaders speak in general conference, they can be very confusing, especially if you have a pretty good grasp of the whole context of Mormonism. And I guess, Eric, that's what makes it so frustrating for me, because I know what the leaders have taught on a lot of these issues, especially when it comes to perfection, especially when it comes to overcoming, which we're going to look at as well this week. They say these things, and, and at times they tend to undermine what they had just said. Let me explain what I mean by that. He starts off his message by talking about one of his young grandsons, a young boy named Aaron. We don't know how old he is, but he had a condition that needed an operation, and it was a serious operation where one of his siblings was going to have to donate bone marrow. So he's trying to use this analogy and make it work with Mormonism, which if he just tells the story about his grandson, and believe me, my heart goes out to him having to tell a story like that because no grandfather, no grandmother, no parent should have to go through something as heart-wrenching as seeing your son or grandson have health conditions such as this. But he gives this analogy about his grandson being on this operating table at the complete mercy of the doctors, that there was nothing that he could possibly do. He had to rely on the education of these doctors to bring about his healing. But then he says, the Savior taught that we should be perfect, and this can seem so daunting. I can clearly see my personal inadequacies and am painfully aware of the distance between me and perfection. Now, the reason why I say this kind of throws a wrench into the whole analogy that he's trying to tell, because he goes on to cite Moroni 10.32. In fact, Moroni 10.32 has the phrase in it that he uses for the title of his message, Be Perfected in Him. And of course, Moroni 10.32, as he points out at the bottom of page 40 in the 
November 2022 edition of the Liahona Magazine. It reads, as Moroni concluded his record, he taught, Yea, come unto Christ and be perfected in him. And if you shall deny yourselves of all ungodliness and love God with all your might, mind, and strength, then is his grace sufficient for you that you may be perfect in Christ. And then Mr. Johnson says, what a comforting and powerful truth. Well, the reason why I feel that this undermines the story that he's telling is because Aaron, laying on that operating table, could do absolutely nothing regarding his eventual healing. And that's how we would look at what Christ does for us. There's nothing that we can possibly do. Well, when you throw Moroni 10.32 into the works, then there is something that you must do. But then he goes on to say this towards the end of his message. With medical treatments like Aaron's, there is always some uncertainty of the outcome. He said, in fact, Aaron needed a second transplant when the first one had complications. Thankfully, with a spiritual change of heart, we don't have to wonder if it will happen. When we live according to his will, quote, relying wholly upon the merits of him who is mighty to save, end quote, there is a 100% guarantee of being cleansed by the Savior's blood and eventually being perfected in him. He is, quote unquote, a God of truth and cannot lie. Now let's look at what he just said there. Thankfully, with a spiritual change of heart, we don't have to wonder if it will happen. And what is that? uncertainty of the outcome. And in the context here, it sounds like he's talking about forgiveness of sins. Well, when we live according to his will, how would a Latter-day Saint interpret that? If you're living according to God's will and you're a Latter-day Saint, that means you understand, according to section one in the Doctrine and Covenants, that in order to be forgiven, you must repent of all your sins and keep all of the commandments. Now, could Aaron do that while he was laying on the operating table? I would argue no, he could do nothing towards that goal. This is why I feel that he's using that story incorrectly, and it's not bringing about, I think, the conclusion that he wants us to believe. It seems to contradict it, in my opinion. But he says, when we live according to his will, relying wholly upon the merits of him who is mighty to save, there is a 100% guarantee of being cleansed by the Savior's blood and eventually being perfected in him. Well, if you are taught in Mormonism that you must repent of all your sins, keep all the commandments, and then you hope to be forgiven, are you really relying wholly upon the merits of him who is mighty to save you can't really say Jesus is enough because he only does for you some things up to a certain point. The rest is up to you if you hope to have that atoning power that he provides kick in and become efficacious for you in the situation that you're in. I find it interesting that he says there's a 100% guarantee of being cleansed, which 
seems to be not just being resurrected, but actually being exalted in the celestial kingdom. How many Latter-day Saints, Bill, have told you, oh, you know you have eternal life? That's audacious, because the idea is, well, then you must have attained everything that you're supposed to do. You're keeping the commandments of God continually. That's why when I say that, I always have to make sure I explain what I mean by that. Because, see, I really do believe that I am relying wholly upon the merits of him who is mighty to save. I don't think for a minute that my sin-stained works have anything to do with my salvation. It has all to do with what Christ did on my behalf. But then he goes on to say, there is no question that this process of change takes time and will not be completed until after this life. But the promise is sure. Okay, let's remember what he told us at the beginning of his message. He's using the analogy of his grandson going through a very serious operation, laying on an operating table, not being able to do anything. What if he had passed away on that operating table? Now, thankfully, he did not. We get the impression that he is fine now, and we thank God for that. But he's now using the analogy of something taking place after you die, It wouldn't have worked with Aaron on the operating table during that operation that he was going through, as serious as it is. So I don't see the connection here. It's not going to be completed until after this life. This is where I I, I guess I get so confused by this kind of language because the Book of Mormon doesn't support that kind of a thought. If you were to Look at the Book of Mormon, and we've mentioned this many times on this show. It makes it very clear in Alma chapter 34, in verse 32, it says, For behold, this life is the time for men to prepare to meet God. Yea, behold, the day of this life is the day for men to perform their labors. So my question is, regarding what Mr. Johnson says here, when he says there's no question that this process of change takes time and will not be completed until after this life, is he trying to tell us that we will have an opportunity to repent after this life? Because obviously, if keeping the commandments is a necessity and you didn't keep all of the commandments during this mortality, are you going to have the opportunity to repent for not keeping all those commandments in the next life? It doesn't sound like it according to Alma 34, because if we go on to verse 35, it seems to take away this idea that repentance will be something that you will be able to do after you die. Verse 35 says, For behold, if you have procrastinated the day of your repentance, even until death, behold, you have become subjected to the spirit of the devil, and he doth seal you his. Therefore the spirit of the Lord hath withdrawn from you, and hath no place in you, and the devil hath all power over you. And this is the final state of the wicked. So obviously, you can't repent after you die. Well, what about the commandment keeping? Well, we go up to verse 33, and it says, This day of life which is given us to prepare for eternity, behold, if we do not improve our time while in this life, then cometh the night of darkness wherein there can be no labor performed. So you can't repent. And you can't do labor after you die, according to the Book of Mormon, but yet Mr. Johnson is given the impression that this perfection is going to take time, and it will not be completed until after this life. And I'm asking, how is it going to be completed after this life? 
it doesn't seem like the Book of Mormon allows this to happen. Bill, the, the theme that you're talking about, This Life is the Time, is how Spencer W. Kimball began his book, The Miracle of Forgiveness. He cites uh, that section that you just read. And so Alma 34:32 is at the very beginning of his chapter. But this is what he says about that dangers of delay, because men are prone to postpone action and ignore directions. The Lord has repeatedly given strict injunctions and issued solemn warnings. Again and again, in different phraseology and throughout the centuries, the Lord has reminded man that he could never have excuse. And the burden of the prophetic warning has been that the time to act is now in this mortal life. And then he says, one cannot with impunity delay his compliance with God's commandments. Bill, I don't know of any other passage you could go to that would support in the Book of Mormon the idea that you can somehow earn your exaltation after you die. And Spencer Kimball, he put a lot of energy into trying to explain that this is not something that will be done in the future. This is something you're commanded to do right now. If you were sitting in the audience listening to Paul Johnson give this talk, and he said, there's no question that this process of change takes time and will not be completed until after this life, but the promise is sure. Wouldn't you be breathing a sigh of relief going, good, because I know I have not met the requirements of Alma 34. If I haven't met the requirements of Alma 34, and I'm supposed to look at verses like Moroni 10.32 as being comforting and powerful, why is it I'm not seeing the contradiction between these two? They are a contradiction. There's no way that you can make these work. It's either you do it now in this life, or don't worry about it. The change will be completed after this life. It's either one or the other, you can't have it both ways. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information regarding Mormonism Research Ministry, we encourage you to visit our website at www.mrm.org, where you can request our free newsletter, Mormonism Researched. We hope you will join us again as we look at another viewpoint on Mormonism.